Hello and welcome. Wherever you are in the world today, thank you for joining us for the Rise Traveler, unpacking conversations of sustainable travel. We are here to talk to eco-minded and socially conscious travelers, diversity and inclusion specialists, wildlife conservationists, environmental activists, and anyone using travel as a way to uplift and inspire. Together, we will go a step beyond the Instagram-ready world of travel and take a look at how travel can be a source of growth and development for all people in all communities. This podcast is an extension of the Rise Travel Institute, a 501c3 nonprofit committed to empowering young travelers through educational programs, research, study tours, and scholarships. Visit risetravelinstitute.org to learn more. And now, here's your host, Amy Hager. Hello, 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 wherever you are in the world today. Thank you for joining us on the Rise Traveler, unpacking conversations of sustainable travel. We're here to talk about how travel can be uplifting and inspiring, going a step beyond that Instagram-ready world of travel, and really take a look of how travel can be a source of growth and development um, for all people in all communities. And here at the Rise Travel Institute, we are committed to empowering travelers through educational programs, research, study tours, and scholarships. You can learn more by visiting risetravelinstitute.org. If we have not met before, I am your host, Amy, ha- Amy Hager. Welcome. And I'm super excited today. Joining me from Bali is Aurora. And we are going to be talking a little bit about if anti-mass tourism will be good and it's actually sustainable tourism. And so before we dive deep into this topic, I'm really excited to hear a little bit more about you, Aurora. So tell us a background. What do you do in this world? Hi, I'm Aurora. Uh, I'm a student of Rice Travel Institute for the pilot program on 2021, if I'm not mistaken. It's two years already. Uh, it's crazy to think it's been two years yeah. already. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I currently live in Bali, Indonesia. I've done my education in both forest conservation and tourism management. That's why I'm really diving in the sustainable tourism concept. And currently, I'm work as salesperson in a luxury travel agent. So I'm work with all these high net clientele and this luxury travel board. So yeah, that's what I do. Nice. Well, so then tell me a little bit about how does mass tourism actually affect an area and dive into a little bit about that with us, will you? Okay. So um, I think uh, as as someone who learned about sustainable tourism, uh, it's been, how can I say this? People always say that the ma- the mass tourism is the biggest evil of it because uh, people uh, coming into a destination in packs, uh, large crowd, it's destroyed the environment, it's destroyed the community, it's destroyed the, ec- the local economic. Uh, so it's always paint mass tourism as uh, the biggest devil of sustainable tourism. Mm-hmm. And I've seen it uh, in Bali, of course, because after COVID, everyone wants to go to Bali. Uh, so uh, suddenly, uh, traffic jam is everywhere and the prices goes up. Uh, I've seen it. But also, I've seen how my clients travel. Uh, 
Mm. So um, as a luxury market, they don't want to go to this mass tourism destination, right? They right. always go to exclusive area. This they always wants to go to what is it? The slogan, uh, the unbeaten track, okay. the places that people have never goes before. And I thought when I first go to this industry, oh. That's great then. We're developing a sustainable tourism then by um, mm. making these people go to places that not as crowded. Right. But uh, I don't see it that way right now. I okay. don't, I'm no longer see that mass tourism is the biggest devil and the less tourists, uh, less mass tourism is better sustainable. This uh, well, so then is less people actually better? Is that what you're saying? Or you know, you're, that's not what you're believing anymore. That's not what I believe in anymore. Okay. So what do you <laughs> think? So I think, uh, at least for, uh, the case in Indonesia, mm-hmm. uh, a non-mass tourism development most likely is an underdeveloped tourism destination. Okay. So because not many people go there, um, uh, the local focus is not tourism. I will take um, this example. So we have Bali in one place and Komodo Island. It's the newest uh, trending uh, hotspot tourism destination right now. Yeah. Bali, Bali is a mass tourism destination. Yeah, but the local community is prepared. They know how to welcome tourists. They know they speak English. They know how to deal with these different cultures. They yeah. have infrastructure. They have what it takes to do. Uh, I know that trust also a huge issue, but they already seen it as a problem and try to manage it. Yeah, they have all of that. Okay, Komodo and other ten, they have none of it. The local community is not prepared. I, when I go to Komodo Island a few weeks ago, my guide is a Jakarta's people, people from Java, and not the locals. Yeah. The one who own every infrastructure, not locals. Oh. The locals cannot keep up mm. because it's uh, they didn't get used to welcome these tourists to that places. They don't know how to speak English and etc. They don't know uh, what kind of issue that could um, disturb their life. They didn't see trash as an issue in example or plastic waste as an issue because they're mm-hmm. not used to see uh, people this, bringing water uh, bottles foreign, and yeah, yeah. Foreign, coming, foreign people coming to their area. So yeah. Uh, I see that uh, when it comes to non-mass tourism destination, they are actually struggling more to welcome this. Uh, I wouldn't say unwelcome, but like uh, they are not prepared to welcome these foreign people, these tourists uh, coming to their houses, to their homes, to their area, to their city. So, yeah, I I think it's uh, it's quiet weird for me itself to yeah. see that mass tourism actually could be more sustainable than this uh 
going to a middle of nowhere kind of yeah. tourism. Yeah, going to off the beaten path or somewhere less traveled, right? Yeah. And so the the people who live on the island that they're not used to mass tourism, yo, I know that sometimes solutions end up being, yo, know, some sort of like community-based tourism or to develop economically the area. And so I'm curious on what your take is. What what do you think the shortcomings or is there shortcomings of community-based tourism? Like, is that an actual solution? Yeah, it's it's really uh, weird to think about it because uh, at first I also thought that community-based tourism is the answer because that's where uh, a nonprofit organization or the government can go into a village and help to prepare all of these uh, villagers, all these local people uh, to build their own program tourism. Right. Uh, activity or some things. I thought that was the great solution, but I don't think that way anymore because when, because this is where going into a luxury market uh, really changed my mind. Okay. Uh, my client, because they pay a lot, they expect a really, really, really high quality. Yeah. And to be honest with you, the community cannot keep up to it because, well, uh, they are not trained in tourism. They are uh, before, previously they are farmers mm. or they are fishermen or yeah. they're, they're just not, uh, they're just not prepared to welcome right. tourists in whatever way, whatever yeah. quality that uh, these tourists demand. So it's become difficult. And I've seen that um, even uh, for domestic market, I mean, not look, a non-luxury market, people who goes in budget, yeah. they didn't go to this community-based uh, tourism destination a lot. I see that despite of a lot of money or funds going into these places, mm -hmm. it's not working. Yeah. So uh, it's quite uh, difficult to, I mean, I know that I cannot say the solution right now, right. but I think this is the issue that we need to see and accept that there is an issue in this kind of uh, tourism. Yeah. So it's acknowledging the issue first and then coming together to develop the solution, right? Yeah, because so it's then, not easy, right? Right. Well, it's and one thing that, that you shared that I it wasn't on my awareness was, you know, when they're traveling, when you have your travelers going to this island, a lot of times when we talk about traveling to different communities, looking for lodging that is supported or owned by like a local family or a local company. But mm -hmm. it sounds to me like on the island here, there, there isn't that, right? It's someone coming in and providing lodging services. And so does that mean that the money actually even stays really in that community? I get that there's probably some employment for some people that live there locally, but if the ownership isn't even from someone from the island, then the dollars really aren't even staying in that community to support that community even more, right? Yeah, I mean, how can uh, 
someone who, who rent their house keep up with these huge hotel chains? Right. Yeah. How can they keep up with it? How can they keep up with the prices, with the quality of it? Yeah. Even if there is someone who, I let's say there's someone who reads and want to build this uh, hotels or something in their area, yeah. they didn't have knowledge for it. Yeah. They previously they work in different sector, right? So yeah. it's quite difficult. I mean, not that I say that it was impossible, but mm-hmm. it's definitely needs time. Yeah. Yeah. It's knit a lot of time. <laughs> so then you've done a case study called Keep It Secret. Tell us a little bit about this. Uh, so it's not, uh, how can I say? Uh, it's also related to the masturbation, right? Uh, hmm. People already realize that they don't want to go to a crowded tourism destination. Right. Uh, especially me that live in Bali. Even yeah. though I'm not a Balinese, I, I really want to have some places that I can enjoy without crowd. Yeah. Right. Uh, and that's where gatekeeping goes, the keep it secret destination goes. Okay. Where when I found something, some places, I don't want to uh, share it with other people. I don't want to post it in social media because I don't want anyone else to know about it. That's become a quiet phenomenon here. Yeah. But also to encounter that, uh, coming this phenomenon of hidden areas, hidden yeah. places, this influencer who goes and start looking of these hidden places and places that, to be honest with you, local has been gatekeeping from yeah. the tourists. Uh, and this is a very interesting phenomenon to see because like um in in one hand i understand that these uh tourists these visitors want to feel fully immersed mm-hmm. and they want to yeah fully immersed to the culture to the destination they want to go to where local goes but there's also this local concern of i'm not sure if i have this term right uh, a backdoor where okay. they want their own space uh when they want to maybe uh bad, not bad mouthy but like talking to each other without right. uh the need to be uh have to be in service for the there visitors that coming right right so right. uh this is also an how can i say an interesting issue that comes uh for this uh, mass destination and the less mass destination. So should we as a traveler really go to these places that less mass destination, that less developed and not ready to welcome us? I think it's something that interesting to think of. Yeah, you're bringing up a really interesting concept, you know, at least when you're traveling to a destination that's prepared to accept tourism and is quote unquote mass destination. Mm -hmm. And if you're going somewhere that's more off the beaten path, 
you know, as travelers, we were curious, right? We want to ask mm-hmm. questions. We want to yeah. learn more about the local life and about the life that people live there because it's different than the life we live in our own homes, right? That's true. Yeah. And, and, you know, maybe these people don't want to talk about that, right? If they did, maybe they would live in more of the mass tourism area, right? And there are people who love to be hosts and to really talk to travelers. And yeah, so I feel like those people are where they need to be when they're in those mass destinations. So you're, you're really bringing up some really, really great thought pieces and thought points. And again, you know, we don't have solutions today, but I think creating that awareness is really, really important. And so I'm a little bit curious too, since you do travel quite a bit and you have taken the rise, the rise flagship program. Mm-hmm. How has that program really empowered you in your choices as a traveler? I would say that um, the biggest one that I realized it's uh, it's making me ask more questions. Yeah. So, an example when I go to the Komodos, the one that I've talked before. I'm not just accepting what the guides told me, or I'm not just uh, what is it? Uh, just seeing around. Oh, this is such a beautiful place. But I'm asking questions like, uh, okay, so where are you from? Are you from these islands? Yeah. To the to our guide or and like, uh, okay, how the locals keep up to this? Uh, what kind of people coming here? How? Is there any conflict? I'm starting to asking those questions. So at least I'm only annoying my guide. So it's okay. It's his job. Uh, But yeah, I think uh, this, uh, I'm really grateful that I'm starting to look from different perspective and start to realize that everything is not as good as it seems or as simple as it seems. I was going to say, it's not as simple, right? And I think too, going into travel with curiosity and asking questions and being open, I think is is one of the biggest lessons that we learn from the Rise Flagship program, right? Yeah, true. So then um, the, the piece of the program, I guess the capstone part of the program, how how do you think that really has influenced your work or or you you as a traveler as well? Uh, so I'm actually working on this rice pilot program when I'm doing my master degree. Yeah. And at first, and I mean, as you know, university is mainly works with this theory stuff. So right. I have this kind of ideal in my head that oh, this is how sustainable tourism should look like. But when I go dive to the program and then I see, oh, even I remember in the animal tourism uh, discussion, Mm -hmm. I remember that the the one who gave the material itself is debating within its order. So I'm like, oh, okay. It's really interesting uh, that all of this is still debatable and it's also prepare me for this real life this real world that I need to come in after the master degree that sustainable tourism it still have a very long way to go and it's not as easy as the theory said but it's also still worth to be uh strive for yeah 
Yeah. Well, and I think again, like you, you really nailed it. A lot of time people go through university and they understand a lot of theory, but they're missing that practicality point of it. And Mm -hmm. it isn't as black and white as the words are written in a book. And so it really is complex issues that we don't have answers to, but going in and exploring and figuring out the answer, I think is really, really important. And I love that that's that's kind of where you are in your journey. And, and so I'm curious when you look through your, your crystal ball, how do you oh. see the future of sustainable travel? Like, what do you see it as? Unfortunately, I will take a fa- pessimist uh, point of view in this time. Yeah. Uh, seeing what happens around me, I see for the upcoming few years at least, um green watching will still hold the era in sustainable yeah. tourism yeah uh because right now i know that there is a rising demand of mm. sustainability mm. but i don't think the industry itself realized that they need sustainability there are a lot of other demands that uh, they put uh put first right. instead of sustainability and that's where greenwashing came, right? When they do something, but not really doing something. Yeah. Yeah. I think it will still be the trend for upcoming years, yeah. at least until the industry itself realized that they need sustainability to survive. Yeah. They have to dig deeper. Hmm. That makes sense. That makes sense. Well, so then as we wrap up our conversation today, What legacy do you want to leave behind in this world? Oh, wow. That's actually, I'm really thinking hard for this question. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I'm actually want to make people live better by traveling better. Okay. I believe that travels can change. uh, uh, Let me rephrase this. I believe to travel can change people way to see everything. They can change the way of people things and therefore they can change people's life. And so I want to be able to provide uh, people with better travel uh, experience so they can also change their life for a better one. I love that. Well, and I think that's why your belief and what we do here at Rise just flows so well together. We really do believe that travel is a tool and there is a way to make this world a better place through travel. And I think through conversations like we've had today and experiencing and realizing that it's there's not an easy fix to anything, quote unquote, yeah. and to really yeah. dive in deep and look into it. So thank you so much for joining me today, Aurora. Thank you for inviting me here. Yes, and that brings us to the end of our journey. So if you've liked what you've heard and you want to hear more, please subscribe, like, and comment. And you can follow us at Rise Travel Institute on Facebook or Instagram or on Twitter at Be a Rise Traveler. And again, here at the Rise Travel Institute, we really do believe travel is a powerful tool for positive transformative change. And so if you're a college student, planning on studying abroad, or a professional 
thinking about a gap year or really anyone who's wanting to travel the world in a sustainable way, I do really encourage you to head on over to the risetravelinstitute.org for more information on our educational program. And we'll be back soon with another episode. But until then, keep roaming, keep learning, and continue to be a Rise Traveler. Bye-bye. This podcast is an extension of the Rise Travel Institute, a 501c3 nonprofit committed to empowering young travelers through educational programs, research, study tours, and scholarships. Visit risetravelinstitute.org to learn more.